Welcome to Life Words Day by Day, where we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where we are going to learn that intimacy is first and foremost a theological issue. This is a matter of our relationship to God. Do we believe and trust His Word? Do we desire to honor Him in our lives and in our marriage relationship? If we do, then we will heed His Word. Listen to what it says in chapter 7, verses 1 through 7. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband doesn't have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. So thinking about what we've been talking about over the last several episodes, we, re we remember that there were some major sexual immorality taking place within the church at Corinth and that at least some of the people were trying to justify their sinfulness under the umbrella of Christian freedom. There was a mindset that said, our bodies crave it, so fulfill it however it can be fulfilled. It makes no eternal difference because in the end, our bodies are going to be destroyed. But Paul counters and corrects their theology by saying, ultimately, your bodies were not made to be fulfilled by base desires, but by the Lord. And furthermore, your bodies will live on into the resurrection. Your bodies now are members of Christ, so why would you drag Christ into situations that he would never be in? And on top of all of that, your bodies are a temple, a housing place for the Holy Spirit. So in light of all of that, you don't own the rights over your body. God bought you, so glorify Him with your bodies. And one of the ways we will glorify God with our bodies is how we use them in the marriage relationship. And what Paul tells us in chapter 7, verses 1 through 7 is this. God has a glorious design for the sexual relationship within marriage. You'll notice Paul's words in verse 1 begin with, now concerning the matters about which you wrote. So we know that the Corinthians have written Paul a previous letter, and in that letter, they have asked for his ruling on several different issues. Paul's response to those issues take up most of the rest of the letter. And the first issue he addresses is not just sex within and without marriage, but how our spiritual lives really operates. And should we seek a change in our physical relationships in order to achieve a greater spiritual status? So one of the prevailing mindsets within the Corinthian church was that it was better for your spiritual life for a husband not to have sex with his wife. It's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. That was their thought. This was a view of spirituality called asceticism, which was the practice of self-denial and self-mortification in order to achieve a higher moral or spiritual life. It's not a biblical practice because our spiritual status is rooted in the work of Christ and not in our work. However, there is spiritual growth 
within that status. But this is not what the Corinthians were trying to achieve. They just simply wanted greater, more status. So I want you to notice what Paul says throughout the entirety of chapter 7. In verse 8, he says, To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it's good for them to remain single as I am. In verse 10, he says, To the married, I give this charge. The wife should not separate from her husband, and the husband should not divorce his wife. In verse 12, he says, To the rest I say, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever, and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. In verse 17, he says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. In verse 20, he says, Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. And then in verse 26, he says, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. So catch this. The overriding principle in chapter 7 is that it's not necessary for a person to change their position in life in regards to marriage or singleness in order to honor and serve the Lord. Now, don't take this in the wrong direction, right? If you're dating an unbeliever, that obviously needs to change. If you're, in if you're involved in the drug cartel, you need to change that position, right? Paul's not saying that any and every position in life avails itself of the opportunity for holiness. He wouldn't be saying this to the prostitutes. He would be saying, go and sin no more. But regarding marriage and or singleness and whether to be slave or free, you can honor the Lord. You can live the life you have been called to from that position. As you pray today, please remember Gavin Roberts and his family, our missionaries in Utah. And also remember the Swahili Life Word broadcast that's heard throughout Tanzania, Kenya, Rwanda, and Burundi.